0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fellas, 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 Sal Betry here, and I appreciate you tuning back into this video. This is going to be part two of the third year Running Backs video, so maybe you didn't see part one. You don't necessarily have to see part one. What we talked about in part one was one, Sony Michelle and two, Ronald Jones, and their outlooks, and a deep dive into those specific players, the backfield competition, their durability, their entire team dynamic and situations, and the outlook that I see my thoughts on them, if I'm interested or not, for the 2020 fantasy football season. We're going to do that today with two Running Backs and three honorable mentions, so five total players will be discussed. Two deep dives on this player behind me, Carrie Ann Johnson, and a second player that you'll have to see wait later in the video to actually know a little bit more about. So you can watch the first part of this video later on, and I'll link it up at the description below and also at the end of the video. But for right now, we're going to be talking about two players today. And thank you so much for being here. Maybe you haven't seen my content all that much. We're growing pretty nicely over the off season as we approach the NFL 2020 season for fantasy football purposes. But I cover fantasy football, sports betting a little bit, and daily fantasy sports pretty in-depth every single day here on this YouTube channel and the podcast version, which. I'm might be listening on right now, the Salvatry show. So I appreciate it right now, if you could hit the like button, that thing really does help a lot of people see this video. And the biggest thing is hitting the subscribe button. Users subscribing within the video allows it to be seen by a lot more people. So the like button, hitting the subscribe button and the notification bell, all those things really do help me. I always ask a question of the day. So the question of the day that I'll ask you right now is, would you rather own the man behind me, Kerryon Johnson, or his brand new competition that we're going to dive all deep into in this backfield, second round draft pick, the rookie in DeAndre Swift in this backfield out of Georgia, which one would you rather own? Let me know down below in the comments. Get active there. You can also get active in our community Discord chat where everybody's talking fantasy football, NFL, fantasy sports, just in general, down below in the description. Totally free to do so. So let's get into the second part of this video right now. I appreciate it. Without further ado, Carry On Johnson. Carry On Johnson entering into his third year out of Auburn, the former second round pick. And this is just a crazy situation because I, I have a tweet right now that's going to be out there, and I'll put it on the board in a second. But just the drop off from year one to year two for Carry On Johnson has been absolutely insane. And there's a good chance it's because of injuries, right? Knee injuries to the exact same knee, his left knee, so far to start his, his career. 2018, six games missed with a left knee sprain. Last year, 2019, eight games missed with a left knee meniscus tear. This is just not good. 14 games missed in your first two years in the NFL because of the same left knee. That's starting to get very, very sketchy for a guy in on Johnson. So what has he done his first two years in the league? Well, let's go back to 2018. In 2018, he played in 10 games before sustaining his injury and missing six games with the sprained knee. He played on 55% of the snaps, 559 nine percent of the snaps, had 118 carries for over 640 yards and four touchdowns, and he caught 32 of 39 balls. So this guy in 10 games was averaging over three receptions per game. That's absolutely great for PPR formats. This guy looked like maybe the next top five running back in the NFL for fantasy purposes. He was ranked sixth in the NFL in true yards per carry with five per carry. That's fantastic. Fifteenth in yards per touch for a guy who only had 32 receptions, That's also great. He was 13th in his average run of 15 or more yards at 6.8%. That's very elite. Again, that's a really good number. The Detroit Lions offensive line ranked 13th overall, and he averaged 13.9 fantasy points per game. This was a guy who, in 10 games, showed the ability to absolutely break out, showed the ability to catch passes, and just looked really good. Was creating yards on his own, was breaking away with the breakaway percentage, was showing that he could break tackles, was an average pass protector as a rookie. All these things were great, set up for a last year absolute breakout. Well, in 2019, it all kind of falls apart. He only plays in eight games because he gets hurt with the meniscus tear. He only has 113 carries for 403 yards and four touchdowns. He catches just 10 balls for 15 yards. So his receptions per game went from 3.2 to 1.2. He averaged 3.5 true yards per carry, which went from being ranked sixth in the NFL in 2018 to 57th last year. His yards per touch went from being ranked in the top 15 to 46. This one is crazy. His 15 plus yard percentage, his breakaway, his burst ability went from being 13th overall with a 6.8% to 52nd overall with a 0.9%. Less than 1% of his runs went for 15 or more yards after almost 7% did the year before. His fantasy points per game dropped from 13.9 to 10.6 and the Detroit Lions offensive line it got better so it wasn't the offensive line they ranked 13th in 2018 they ranked last year ninth overall so it ended up getting better and he still was an average pass protector in the mid 50s mid 60s range so Carryon goes from being very good and looking like one of the best running backs possibly to break out the following year to last year just laying an absolute dud and getting injured again now what was it what was the reasons the best thing that I can come up with for you is that he just saw less passing work so that ends up impacting your yards per touch and maybe your efficiency in general And then he ends up getting hurt the year before that. And you compile that with an injury last year. And it's just this knee taking a lot of damage. Maybe it's unconscious bias, some mental stuff. Maybe it's actually the physicality of a left knee being injured back to back years in the NFL with that just. Taking away some of your burst. So you can see now I'll put the tweet on the board for a very easy look at just the big differences in his efficiency from 2018 to 2019. You can see the true yards per carry, receptions per game, yards per touch, the run rate, and the run blocking unit. I'll keep this up on the screen as we talk about the acquisitions that they ended up having in the offseason and how that's going to impact Karrion Johnson and it should in a major way. So the Lions in 2019 free agency, they added some depth to their offensive line. They also lost some pieces. A really big loss was Graham Glasgow for them, top 10 in his position last year, but they added Vate. They have an already improving offensive line. Then they add some depth in Josh Garnett, a guard. They add some wide receivers who are not that great. Former Bear, Jeremy Davis, former Packer, John Allison. Not going to help you much there. But they lose some big pieces in terms of losing Graham Glasgow. The biggest piece was him. Maybe a, a nice athletic blocking tight end than Logan Thomas, JD McKissick, a running back that they don't need at this point. So for the most part, they kind of swap Fate, a tackle with a guard in Glasgow, and they're hoping sort of that offensive line can get cohesive and back together as they were a borderline top 10 unit last year overall. But in the NFL draft is where Carrion's head is, is starting to be at risk here. You have DeAndre Swift taken in the second round, very similar to where Carrion was taken just two years ago, and DeAndre Swift coming out as a better pass catcher, a healthier running back for for one than carry Johnson and at this point a cheaper running back than him then you have Jason Huntley who's a fifth round running back who Jason Huntley is going to threaten I believe at of New Mexico State for receptions for touches as well even if it's not a lot it's going to be some so now this backfield is just absolutely loaded and, and we'll get through all of them at this point the backfield competition right now is going to be DeAndre Swift Bo Scarborough who I haven't even mentioned yet who they seem to like as a seventh round running back last year Jason Huntley and Ty Johnson Ty Johnson who's a guy who's likely going to get cut although he showed some talented upside or at least some abilities last year at points in the season. DeAndre Swift, here's his college profile. Again, these can get in the draft kit. If you're interested, uh, just join the discord. I'll be launching news on that in a couple of days, in a couple of weeks via Twitter, the discord, and as well as just in all of the YouTube comments in descriptions down below. But DeAndre Swift, Georgia, three years. He was fantastic. He's probably one of the most complete running backs in the draft right there with Jonathan Taylor, JK Dobbins. He was ended up taken by the Detroit Lions with the third pick in the second round. So he has more draft capital, technically, than Carry On, going eight picks earlier than Carry On did in the second round. 2019, he played in 14 games. He had over 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns as not even the primary workhorse and just 197 carries. He caught 24 balls, a 7.2% target share. He ended up seeing 40 missed tackles forced, which is a very good number. He was very elite in the red zone, ended up having 11 touchdowns in the red zone alone. And for his top 25 teams, he was fine. He had a yards per carry of five. He had 82 carries for 408 yards and a touchdown. So he was very elite in that department. And I'll throw up our Friend Graham Barfield's tweet again here, just comparing DeAndre Swift in a chart to Carryon Johnson. The numbers might be a little bit small, but I'll try and blow them up here. But you can just see that DeAndre Swift was a much better prospect coming out of college than Carryon Johnson was, and Carryon Johnson was highly touted. So you can see in general he had a higher yards created per attempt, higher missed tackles forced per attempt, his receiving yards per route in the third row was higher, and then his pass pro execution was much higher. Kerryon Johnson coming out 60% of the time, he was exceeding in pass protection, whereas you had DeAndre Swift 90% of the time. So a much better prospect coming in with a technically higher draft capital and just healthier knees in general is going to make DeAndre Swift a huge threat to Kerryon Johnson's upside. You then throw in some of the things that they've been saying that they want to use both Scarborough more, a guy who they liked last year is just a bruiser, a seventh round running back who did play on 45% of the snaps when he was actually out there, who did see 89 carries for 377 yards, mainly when Kerryon Johnson was injured. They did take Jason Huntley, another running back in the fifth round. I'll throw up his profile right now as well at a New Mexico state. You can see he had over a thousand yards last year and 11 touchdowns, but the big thing, he is a pass catching running back. 11.4% target share last year, 40 receptions on 51 targets. So you have two pass catching running backs drafted right now in terms of DeAndre Swift and Jason Huntley. You still got Ty Johnson in his backfield who can catch passes. I assume he'll end up getting cut though, but that's not good for on Johnson. You're probably not going to be able to catch passes now. They want to use Bo Scarborough, who's mainly a short down and red zone type of guy where does on Johnson fit into all of this? Well, I think he's way better than both Scarborough. So I think that's a little bit of coach speak, but I think he's going to be right there hand in hand with DeAndre Swift and Jason Huntley might steal some touches. So I think the upside for on Johnson, honestly, is just downside. I think it's pointing completely down right now. So I don't want anything to do with carry on Johnson in really any formats. His knees are a little bit banged up. I think there's still talent there, but we just saw such a drop off last year. And then they go out and draft a talented running back with an early draft pick in the second round in dynasty formats. If you want to take him, you want to stash him fine. But in terms of redraft last this year, I don't see the upside. I get it that he's being taken late in drafts right now in like the ninth round of 10 team drafts. But even at that point, I'd rather just shoot for more upside in my drafts at either a different position or the exact same position with some of these second year running backs, some of the rookies out there right now, as I get into our fourth and final before some, of the honorable mentions running back that I think is entering his third year. Well, he definitely is. And I want to break down a little bit. Please do hit that like button. Take a second coming through your screen. Smash the subscribe button. I greatly appreciate that. And hop into the discord. Totally free to get in there and start chatting it. Ask me any questions. Have a community conversation around some topics. Any questions you have for your draft. It's all about just getting better and, and beating your league mates and whoever else winning some money this specific season. So head down, do those things. Smash the subscribe button. It really helps me out. So Darius Geis is, uh, is very similar and, and worse really when it comes to injuries to a carry on Johnson. These are guys and I, I technically saved them for last in talking about them, who I think have a ton of talent in the world, but injuries have really just derailed and kind of offset their years. In 2018, he has a preseason ACL tear. He misses the entire season, Darius guys, and he had some complications with that, of course. In 2019, in week one, he has a meniscus tear that keeps him out for around six to eight weeks. He's on the injury report. He's banged up. He's limited. And then in 2019, he comes back but suffers an MCL sprain and misses the final two years. So he only plays five games so far in his NFL career through the first two seasons. That's not great. But he played in five games and he ends up getting hurt. So we'll just kind of look at the four week stretch when he was actually healthy after coming back from injury from weeks 11 to week 14. And he performed like a a top running back in the entire league. He was the RB1 in week 13 with 137 yards and two touchdowns, scoring 27.7 fantasy points. He caught four balls and six targets for 59 yards. And he had a team leading 1.84 yards per route run during that time out of any of the guys that were out of the backfield. He was number one in yards created for these four weeks among all running backs in the NFL with at least five carries. He saw 7.1 yards yards per carry on 32 rush attempts in that four game stretch. He was an absolute beast. But the issue was, it was such a small sample. The issue was that he's played five games now and really four full games where you got to see him weeks 11 through 14 last year in two seasons. He's had complications with this knee and knees in general, like Kerryon Johnson for young running backs are just a trend that you don't want to have early or ever in your career. So did the Redskins do anything, anything in the offseason to threaten a guy in Darius Geis? And I'll put up my tweet right now in terms of everything that they did, because yeah, they did. I'll, I'll put up all the additions You can see all the additions right now, some tight ends. Look at the running backs, JD McKissick and Peyton Barber. So you already got a guy in... Adrian Peterson in his backfield, right? You already got Bryce Love, who everybody forgets about. Now you add two veterans and J.D. McKissick and Peyton Barber, who are both not awful, who are both kind of just eh, meh running backs. J.D. McKissick, an above average pass catcher. Peyton Barber, very meh on the ground running back out of Tampa Bay. But then you even add in a couple more running backs. They added two players this offseason, the most naming one, Antonio Gibson, who is sort of a wide receiver running back hybrid, who knows what they'll play him right now. They've comped him. He went into the draft as a running back. He's likely going to be Labeled as a running back because they just get paid less, so it's a good organizational move. And he's already been comp to Christian McCaffrey, which is, of course, extreme by former head coach Ron Rivera of Christian McCaffrey. But it's something. Everything's pointing that they'll use him out of the backfield a good amount. So there's a lot of competition here. Adrian Peterson honestly looked good last year. He was good last year. I know he's old. I know he's dusty. I don't want to own him in fantasy, but he's going to have some workload here unless he just gets cut out of nowhere, which I wouldn't be shocked if it happens. But I assume one of these veterans, and Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick gets cut. I would assume Bryce Love gets cut, and the team ends up looking like Adrian Peterson, Darius Gates one of those veterans and Antonio Gibson as your four running backs. If they label Antonio Gibson as a wide receiver, then maybe both of the veterans in Peyton Barber and JD McKissick end up making the team. But that's a lot of talented running backs. And you have to do that. You have to do that when you have an old running back in Adrian Peterson there, who maybe this is the final year where he finally gets hurt or he just starts to not produce and has to be played off the field. And then you have a guy who has not shown any model of consistency in staying healthy in Darius Geiss. So it's going to be a load in backfield, which does threaten Darius Geiss, but I assume that he's going to have all the opportunity in the world to take over. And this is the type of guy that I want to draw draft later in my drafts. If you can get Darius Geiss in your sixth to eighth rounds and really the seventh to eighth round, it's a complete value in my opinion. Why? Because you likely already have two and hopefully three running backs by the time the eighth round comes around. And if you're drafting Darius Geiss there, well, there you go. Now you have upside, a guy who can honestly finish as a top 10 running back. If he somehow, it seems at this point, plays an entire 16 game season with a good offensive line in front of him, he can finish as a top 10 running back. He can finish as a top 15, definitely a top 20 running back if he stays healthy. And now you're taking that shot on him later in the drafts. So instead of drafting your carry on Johnsons and your Marlon Max and veterans who are clearly on the downtrend right now in their backfields. Draft a guy that, if he can just stay healthy, has a huge, huge upside, a ceiling winning upside for leagues for you. That's what you want to get get your consistent pieces from rounds one through four, one through five. After that, round six through 20 or however many spots are in your draft, draft for upside. Yes, you want some floors there. You want some sort of stability, but draft for upside as well. Don't be afraid to take guys like Darius Geis, who, yes, they've been injured in the past couple of years, but because of that, you're getting them at such a good spot in your drafts. So I kind of talked through all the running backs that are already in the backfield. I'll pop the tweet up again right here that I had, but I'll kind of talk about just specific players here, the ones that stand out the most. Adrian Peterson, 2019. I'll put up his profile, 48 and a half percent of the snaps, over 200 attempts on the ground. And when you factor in his receptions, he had about 230 total touches last year. When you factor in total yards, 898 yards on the ground, 142 receiving yards on 23 targets. He went over a thousand total yards as an old, old running back in this league. He still had it. He's going to be 35 and a half years old when the season starts. He was 32nd last year in two yards per carry and 13th. 13th in yards created at his age is just absolutely insane. 9.8 fantasy points per game was ranked 37th among running backs last year. And then Antonio Gibson, the hybrid running back slash receiver, who, who knows where he's going to play at this point, but likely out of the backfield a good amount. Here's his kind of career and his 2019, really not a lot of touches when he was at Memphis. You can see at 33 carries for 369 yards, 38 receptions on 58 targets, 14.9 yards per touch is just absolutely elite usage. It's a small sample size, but elite usage. He's a good pass protector as well. 307 total offense. Of snaps in his career in college. It's just so hard. This could honestly be the best running back in the entire draft. Like, yes, Jonathan Taylor, I hold on a pedestal, but this guy in Antonio Gibson could be the best all around running back for fantasy purposes in the draft. We just don't have a big enough sample to actually tell if that's the case. And we don't know what's going to happen when he's in a backfield now with Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson. So it's just hard to see that potential breaking through immediately. So in general, I like Darius Geis. Out of the guys that we've talked about so far, I like Darius Geis the most at his current draft position. He's a top 30 running back for me. After that, I'm okay if you start to take stabs on Sonny Michel and Ronald Jones. I don't think they have anywhere near the same upside as Darius Geis. I think they're just decent values, but then carry Johnson, likely a guy that for redraft purposes is going to be on my do not draft list. I don't, don't see the upside in a donkey head coach and a donkey organization in the Lions and in the backfield that is loaded there with a new addition in DeAndre Swift and also Jason Huntley. I'll get into three honorable mentions. I'll just say their names. Naeem Himes is entering his third year. I think he has the opportunity to get cut with two years left on his deal. Marlon Mack can easily take on the Naeem Himes role. Marlon Mack was a very good pass catcher in college, just hasn't had that opportunity while with the Colts. So Naeem Himes is entering his third year. I don't want any of him. Maybe if you in Dynasty or really deep drafts. Rashad Penny, obviously starting the year in the PUP, the PUP, and them signing Carlos Hyde pretty much means that Rashad Penny, we might not see him all season this year, this year so clearly no upside there. But then also Boston Scott. As of right now, the Eagles, as I record this, have not signed a veteran. They're looking at LeSean McCoy. They're looking at Devonta Freeman, maybe even Lamar Miller, who knows what's going on with him. But Boston Scott, if none of these guys get signed, it's a very nice addition for you on some of your deeper bench spots in some of those leagues for a backup to Miles Sanders. So those are some of the honorable mentions. The only one that I would have any interest in would be Boston Scott, but it's only contingent on the fact that the Eagles don't sign a veteran running back. If they do, by the time you're watching this, then I don't want any Boston Scott or any of these honorable mentions this year for redraft purposes. So I appreciate you tuning into part two of the third year running backs video hopefully now you've watched both of them if not go back watch the first one go back and watch a ton more videos in my 2020 fantasy football playlist that is linked up down below and will also be on the end screen and be sure to hit the big like button hit the subscribe button, the big one just pops up on the screen and the notification bell really does help me out answer the question of the day for me if you will right now if you have not already then give me a little bit of feedback as to why some thought process i like reading everybody's insights and analysis in the comments you'll notice i comment back to every single person who comments so i am actually reading them and taking the time so it's it's not just you thing, and nobody ends up seeing it in the universe of YouTube. I will read every single one and comment with a thoughtful response, but carry on Johnson or DeAndre Swift. Let me know in the comment section down below and also hop into the discord, continue with any questions you have over there, or if you want to help and play the analyst role for some people who do have questions, everybody's helping each other out in that community discord. So for myself and everybody else at this YouTube channel, which is myself, thank you so much for being here. My name is Sal Vetri. Hit that subscribe button before you go, and I will see you all in the next one.